Okay, well, praise the Lord. All right. Today's message today, hey, we got a baby. All right. Praise the Lord. I've been waiting to see that baby. About time. <laughs> All right. Today's message, we're going to ask a question, a healthy body. Now, this relates to the scripture and relates to the church. So we're going to ask, what is a healthy body? Um, today, we're going to continue in 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. While you do that, I'm going to tell you a little story. Thanks to a very healthy lifestyle, a married couple lived well into their hundreds. One day, they're, they're both killed in an unfortunate and tragic car accident, and they go to heaven. On the first morning, they go up to God and they ask, Where is the gym? Gym, God replies, you don't need to go to the gym here. You'll always be in perfect shape, even if you never exercise. The wife says, how nice that is. But the husband looks a little bit annoyed. In the afternoon, they go back to God and they ask where they can get high-factor sunscreen, as they lived in Florida. This is heaven. You don't need it anymore. The sun can't burn you or give you cancer. Enjoy the beaches. They're better than Florida's. And the wife is satisfied, but the husband starts looking a little bit angry. And later in the evening, they go to God and they ask where they can find a health food restaurant for dinner. Well, we don't have health food restaurants. You can eat as much as you want of whatever you want and never feel bloated or gain any weight. And finally, the husband snaps at his wife and he says, You see? You see? If it wasn't for your brand muffins, I could have been here 40 years ago. <laughs> and I got another little joke because, well, I'm the guy with the mic and I thought this was funny. But did you know that water solves many health problems? It really does. If you want to lose weight, they say you should just drink water. If you want clear skin, get the soda out, drink water. If you want to stop suffering from migraines, drink water. Are people causing you anxiety? Well, then you just drown them in water. See, water solves everything, doesn't it? All right. I couldn't decide which one I like better, so I gave you both. All right. Um, today we're back in the book of 1 Corinthians, and it was written in the early 50s, and this is during Paul's second missionary journey. We know that opposition was fierce, but God said he had a people in that city and a work for him to do. So Paul stayed 18 months in that city, teaching them the word of God. Our text today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For, in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? 
But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret but earnestly desire the best gifts? And yet I show you a more excellent way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come and continue our, our series on this, Lord, we ask that you would help us to discern how this would apply to us daily. Forgive us, Lord, where you have told us to do things and we've not done it. Forgive us, Lord, where we know better and we do it anyway. God, we confess those sins to you now. And Lord, you are the one who said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And here, Lord, we're talking about workers and we're talking about harvest. So God, we ask that you would send the workers from the north, the south, the east, and the west to this place so that people may be saved, so that we can see brand new, brand new babies in Jesus Christ becoming saved, becoming disciples, and in turn discipling others. And so God, we give you all that we are, even though it's not worth anything. We know you can make us what you want us to be. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name, the strong Son of God. Amen. A healthy body does not have schisms. It seeks the best gifts of God while doing their part for his kingdom. There's a lot packed in that. A healthy body does not have schisms, but seeks the best gifts of God while doing their part for his kingdom. Let's break that down. First of all, a healthy body consists of all Christians doing their part for God's kingdom. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 in the New Living Translation says this, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yet the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. Well, that does not make it any less part of a body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be 
if it had only one part. Now today, for the seasoned Christian, we come to a very familiar passage in God's Word. And God's trying to tell us or remind us that there are many parts in the body of Christ. And that they make up the whole body. This flows out from the discussion of spiritual gifts that we had last week when Paul was talking and when Paul was previously written to us. But there's much more happening in this section than just the topic of the charismata or the charismatic gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Now, during this time, to equate a Jew with a Gentile would have been offensive to most Jews of that day. You would have made them storm out. They were very proud of their heritage. And to equate a free man to a slave would have been offensive, for a slave does not have the same rights as a freeman. To be a slave was to be a literal nobody. Your opinion, your presence, didn't matter, doesn't count. You were nothing more than a thing to be told what to do, and that is it. Yet God has chosen to take everyone, all classes and all societies, to make up his people in our time of grace. As a matter of, <clears throat> as a matter of, of all of those that are saved, guess what? They drink from the same Holy Spirit. They are indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. Whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, all saved Christians get as much of the Holy Spirit, as much of God as anyone else. You may think this isn't uh, so shocking in today's world, but i got to tell you, if we would take this passage and truly apply it, we would, we would shock the world. Indeed, we would shake the world down to its very core. Today, the church is more divided than it ever has been. It really is. And I'm not talking denominations. Even within denominations, we're divided. It is more divided on racial grounds than it ever has been. Or it's getting that way. People no longer see themselves as, as first number one, I'm first thing. When I think of myself, I think of myself as a Christian. And then whatever your cultural heritage is. No, today people are putting themselves up by their race more than just 15 years ago. If we look back 15 years ago, especially in our churches, especially in the Southern Baptist Convention lately. Critical race theory has been and is being preached from the pulpit to, to the classrooms across America. It's incompatible with New Testament theology and New Testament Christianity. And anybody who tells you otherwise is either misinformed or lying. Now, I won't go into all of what that means today or, or all of the consequences of that, but suffice it to say that CRT is about categorizing people and telling them that they can't overcome their category. For example, I know that it's teaching that if you're white, you are inherently racist, whether uh, you're, you live that way or not, you are going to always be racist. It teaches that. It also teaches that if you're non-Caucasian, then you will always start at a place that is lower than white people, and you will never overcome that. Folks, these things should not be preached from the pulpits across America in the churches. It is evil. 
Jesus said, for all are one in the body of Christ. My Bible tells me in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Period. Now this, this week I have been, I've been reading a book, and, and uh, it's called The Forgotten Trinity by Dr. James White. And the reason I picked it up is because it said, you know, it's for the layman. Oh, I said, okay. Now, see, I've read, I've read a lot of Dr. James White, and I know for a fact that he doesn't write to the layman very well. So I picked it up, and I went, oh, okay, let's see what he's got. Yeah, unless you're a lover of Greek and all the intricacies therein, it's not for you. But one thing that he does say, and he stresses, is that no one person of the Trinity is of any lesser value Though each person has differing functions, it does not make any one person of the Trinity any lower or less than the other. And that's what God's trying to tell us in the body of Christ. That is unfortunate, not how we're used to seeing things, though. You see, we see things as the high man on the totem pole is the one who has more power than anyone else. This isn't, isn't true. And it shouldn't be true in the kingdom of God other than God is higher than all. Paul tells us, if all were an eye, how would one hear? If all were a hand, where would the feet be? How would one walk? So is the body of Christ. I can preach. Oh, sort of. Some people tell me I'm not very good at it, but I can preach. But I can't sing. You may hear some noises coming out of me now and again, but I wouldn't call it singing. But I will say this, Miss Joe, I can sing a solo, so low you can't hear me. Most, yeah, not, not very often, but most sometimes. Sometimes I can do that. Um, most of the time I sound like I'm caterwauling. You southern people understand what caterwauling is. All of this to say... That though I am a pastor, it does not make me any less or any more important than anyone else. It doesn't make me any less or any more important than the deacons or the secretaries or the man in the pew or the one who cleans the church. The man in the pew who's being equipped for the work of the ministry. Did you know that? You are being equipped for the work of the ministry. You see, you are the workers of, of the gospel. You are the ones who are to spread the gospel. You are important to Jesus. You are important to spreading the gospel. You're the most important. You have the most important role. My job is to equip you. You are the saints for the work of the ministry. Yours is to do the work. My job is to build you up so that you can fulfill the call of God to spread His word. We are all called to spread His word. Ephesians 4.11 says, Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Does this difference in job or responsibility make me inherently better than anyone else? No, it does not. Not at all. Diversity of responsibilities but the same value across the board. By the way, I like that particular scripture reference, so you can go and tell people when you invite them to church that uh, your pastor is a gift from God. 
because it says he gave gifts. And so, yeah, let, let's move on from that. You'll get the joke on the way home. A healthy body does not have schisms or division in it. A healthy body does not have schisms or division. 1 Corinthians 12.20 says, Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. And while the more honorable parts do not require this special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All parts of God's body are equally important. We just said that. Let me tell you something. And I said it a minute ago, and I'm going to say it again, and it bears repeating. The person who cleans the church, or the person who pays the bills, the physical bills, or the church is far more important, far more worthy than I. And they are worthy of double honor. The folks who work in the background to make sure that everything is available and ready for the spreading of God's Word, whether it be in song or in word or or in preaching, whatever it is, those that work in the background, without them, this church, indeed every local church, would fall apart. Thank them if you know who they are. They are worthy of honor. When each person is doing what they're called to do in the body of Christ, both locally and in the church universally, in the kingdom of God, we have harmony amongst the members. Each member uses their gifts to fill the need of the next member. Each member cares for one another. And and this... What Paul says here in 1 Corinthians verse 25 of our text, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. When you're doing your part and you're doing where God has called you to be, there should be no schism. And if one member suffers, though, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Division and strife happen within a church Listen to me here. Division and strife happen within a church when one member who is called to be the hand, let's say, wants to be the eye, or when one who is called to be the foot wants to be the head. This will cause all members to suffer when we're not working in where God called us. Jealousy is what usually comes comes down to a lot of times. But also it comes down to an unwillingness to do what God has called us to do. I love how people say, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. So long as it isn't working with kids. I don't want to work with kids. God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. So long as it isn't Africa. It's hot and most people don't have electricity, so there's no air conditioning. I'm going to say something to you that should scare every Christian on some level, whether they be a pastor or layman or Bible study teacher or whatever. Let me tell you something that, um, that you probably know, 
but you don't know, you don't get to dictate to God where you serve. Period. If he calls you to be in the prayer closet for 30 years, or he calls you to Africa, Russia, China, or even the United States, it is he who does the calling. You don't get to decide what you do or where you go. Some of you he may call to teach children's Bible study or to something else. If you ignore your calling, let me tell you something, you're going to be miserable in your church. You're going to find every little thing to nitpick. I don't like how that, that pastor preaches too long. That deacon never calls me. How come nobody gives me a glass of water when I want to go up on stage? I just said that because I got a glass of water this morning. There are people behind the scenes, by the way, who make sure that I have water on the pulpit. And I thank them very much for that. But let me tell you, some of you, hmm, you're happy he didn't call you to preach the gospel. Somebody's saying, I'm glad I'm not preaching the gospel. <laughs> Guess what? Each and every one of you were called to preach the gospel. If you're a Christian, you're called to preach the gospel. Each and every Christian's responsibility is to tell those around them about the saving power of Jesus Christ. Once their salvation is experienced, then it is your responsibility to make sure they get discipled somehow by someone. Whether that someone is you or someone else. We're called to make disciples, not just converts. Not just to lead them in a prayer. Oh, you're good. Magical prayer's got you good. Now you're good to go and you can go do all the sinning you want. What did Paul say? God forbid. That's what Paul said. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Number three, a healthy body seeks the best gifts. A healthy body seeks the best gifts. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers. Then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gifts of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak an unknown language? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not, he writes. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Now Paul starts to bring this all together when he's talking about the body from what we talked about last week, the, the charismata or the, the miraculous gifts, he says, he brings it together. He says that first of the gifts are the apostles, the prophets and the teachers. And then come the miraculous, those who do miracles, who have gifts of healing, those that can help others, leadership, and lastly, those who speak in unknown languages. 
Why are the miraculous gifts listed after those that are called to serve in vocational ministry? Of those miraculous gifts, why is tongues listed last? You ever thought about that? One, he lists the gifts which help the Christian to grow up. He lists the gifts first that help the Christian to grow up. That's the ministers, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles. The Christian is to grow and to become mature in Christ. That is the most important thing. And number two, the Corinthian church was so out of balance, or in today's language, so out of whack, that he's trying to bring some balance back into, here, into order. True or false charismatic gifts will bring in people. Did you know that? And a lot of what we see today is false gifts. And they'll bring in the people, because everybody wants to feel something. Well, what do you do when you get them in? You don't know, because you've been focused on the wrong thing. You see, in the case of the Corinthians, as it is to say much today, they aren't doing very much. They aren't discipling. They aren't letting bad doctrine uh, not come into the church, and, and they aren't letting bad teaching not come into their church. No, they just, everything's open. One way or another, being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. 1 Corinthians 12.29 says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. He makes a good point here about the gifts. He says, are all apostles, prophets, or teachers? Well, no. You see, those gifts are given to the church too. So it logically follows that not all people are workers of miracles. Not all people speak in tongues. Not all people do healings. Not all people, do you understand? Remember, Paul says, okay, okay, desire the best gifts. What gifts are those? See, the, the Corinthians had become obsessed with tongues and interpretation. Later, we'll hear later, he says, I speak in tongues more than you all. And I thought about that one day and I said, man, that man must have been speaking in a lot of tongues because the Corinthians were nuts about it. But it's listed last. What's the best gifts? Are they the charismata? No, they are the servants to the church. Those that are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. By the way, prophet here is not one who necessarily tells the future. Prophet, when you take it down to the original Greek, it means to proclaim the word of God, period. That's what it means. So you could say a pastor or a preacher, well, they're prophets too because they proclaim the word of God. Or a teacher. Apostles, in this sense, are those that guide the church. The 13 apostles, the authority of the church. And somebody's going, what? you said 13, Pastor. Yeah, I know, I said 13. Not 12. Because Paul was called an apostle after the 12. Judas's spot was taken by another, if you read in Acts chapter 1, it was taken by Matthias, because he was with them since the beginning. And you know how he was chosen? I thought this was interesting, and you may find it interesting too. Um, they threw dice. Believe it or not, they threw dice. Oh, hey, you're it! <laughs> you're in! I thought that was interesting. So that would make Paul number 13. 
Ephesians 4, verse 11 says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edify. What does edify mean? It means to build up. It means to build your character. It means to build your spirit. It means to build up till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Of itself in love. Paul wrote this to the Ephesians, but it's in the same vein as what we're looking at. These are gifts given to the church. And he says, desire the best gifts. Who are, what's the best gifts? The best gifts are those that can help you grow up in Christ. That's the best gifts. Paul says, gifts are good, right at the end. I love this. He says, but yet I show you a better way. Or I show you a way to live. Paul says gifts are good, but now I'm going to show you a better way. What way is that? Well, seeing as how we've run out of time, you can come next week and find out what way that is. I'll give you a hint. It's in the 13th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, since that's where we're at now. Now, often called the love chapter. He shows us a better way. Folks, if you remember nothing, remember this. A healthy body does not have divisions, but it seeks the best gifts of God while doing their part for the kingdom. A lot of people ask me, Pastor, I haven't heard from God since 1978. Okay, what did he tell you? Go teach children Sunday school. Did you do it? Nope. Well, he's waiting for you to do that. Go do that first and then come talk to me. Yes, that was hyperbole, by the way. That's not a true story <laughs> for anybody who asks. It could be, but it's not, hopefully. But the question often gets asked of me, well, Pastor, you talk a lot about these gifts and about this personal God who talks to you, who reveals things to you, and, and all this stuff, but that's not been my experience. Then I've got some bad news for you. It means you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It means you need a Jesus. Not just a Jesus, but the Jesus. The one who can wash your sins away. What is a sin? Anything wrong that you've done? You know what else is a sin? Not doing what you know you're supposed to do. Well, I ain't been in a church in ten years. Well, the Bible says don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves, which is your custom. And even more as you see the day approaching. So now you're in sin. Whale. Somebody will go, whale. 
Well, that's a, that's a, that's a deep thought for my shallow mind, I'll tell you. How does one come to know Jesus? Well, first of all, we know that in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's me, you, the Pope, everyone. Romans 6.23, we know that the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. And Jesus says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I don't want to see anybody go there. If we truly believe that, we'd be sharing Jesus a whole lot more than we do. It also says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. That same verse. Well, how do I get Jesus? Romans 10, 13. If you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Not might, not should, will be, done deal. Sealed forever. It's not, a, it's not a fairy tale. It's not something you do when you go to church just because you're told to. It's God calling you. Oh yeah, I forgot. Ladies, you can come up and get ready to sing. It's God calling you. 